What's up, everyone? Here for another episode of Locked On Bucks, and we've got two of our favorites here on the show. I did say we were going to all get together, and we are here for today's show. And we're going to continue talking about the draft a little bit and what the expectations might be. We're only a couple of weeks away from that, and I want to ask these guys if there's anything they're taking away from the NBA Finals that either makes them uh, annoyed that the Bucs aren't there or makes them think that there are holes to fill on this Bucs team. So we're going to have some fun today anyway. That's the uh, that's the idea. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucs win Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on the show Monday to Friday. Also, find me all the stuff over at ESPN. Camille Davis is here from the Technical Foul Podcast. And Justin Garcia is here from the Bucks Radio Network. We thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or watch of every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, I, I can't remember. I don't think Camille. The three of us have podcasted together. Is that accurate? I don't think so. I think this might be the the first time we've had this particular uh, threesome on the on the podcast. Well, I do have to say as well, uh, Camille. You probably didn't. I don't know whether you wanted me to say it or not, but I did mention that you were having some struggles with the the voice with some illness over the last week. So yeah. So we're we're glad to have you back. We're glad to see you looking healthy, looking well. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I'm glad to be back. Being back here means that I'm getting back to myself. I'm still a little congested. Uh, COVID tried to take your girl out, but uh, a lot of a lot of fluids, a lot of rest, and um, a lot of non-human contact. So I'm happy to be talking to other people at, at this point. That's what you get for traveling, by the way. Uh, I know. In 2022, it's uh, you take a risk, uh, Justin. I was. Have you, been, have you been traveling anywhere, Justin? Recently? Me? No. No. Uh, I've been traveling as far as 20 minutes away from where I live. That's about it since the season ended. Okay. That's not too far off from me. But we've got a question to get things started here. And it's going to you, Camille. It comes from Matt Sinclair on the YouTube channel. And uh, Justin, obviously, you'll be involved with this. But Matt asks, Camille, if you had Justin's job for a day... what would you change is there anything you would change and then matt throws in the added notes of would you just troll the chicago bulls all day every day (laughs) you know uh anyone who listens to me on this show or or tech file they know i'm I'm pretty diplomatic i think i would pretty much follow justin's footsteps in that way (laughs) i wouldn't change too much i might try to throw a little shade at the Chicago Bulls from time to time, but but not too much. You know, just a little bit. Just keep it interesting. Uh, we could probably arrange something, too. I mean, pick a game <laughs> next year, and I could be sick, and you can take over there and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> For sure. Camille's basically trying to say that you're not much of a homer, which I would. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not Boston. It's not Boston levels of homerism, but 
I'd say, you know, we know where your allegiances lie, which I think is perfectly fine on a local broadcast. But I mentioned this at the top. The NBA Finals is interesting. Now, Justin, by the way, uh, you, I, I'm not 100% sure if I'm remembering this correctly, but Boston won game one. And did you send out some sort of tweet like, I told you all that Boston is going to win this series or something okay. like that? Because I, I think, look, we discussed this. I, I, if I, if I really had to make a prediction for the NBA Finals, mm-hmm. I would have said Warriors in five, which I know was an aggressive prediction, really aggressive. Yeah. And after Game yeah. One, it wasn't looking great. But after Game <laughs> Two, we're back on track. So the question is, how are you feeling? Uh, I still feel pretty good. I thought going into the series, the Celtics were going to win in six, and. After game one, I remember having the conversation with somebody else of like, well, you could talk me into Celtics in five here. I just like the way that they match up. And then game two happened. But uh, the similarities between the Celtics and the Bucks from last year, we've talked about it a number of times. But all the way down to the fact that the Celtics just in every single series seem to make it more difficult than it needs to be, which was a Bucks staple from a year ago. I think it's interesting. Yeah, but that's that's a really good point because I do think, and we've said this before, we're not hiding away from it. There is a, a level of bitterness there, I'm sure, if you're a Bucks fan towards the Celtics. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And they are, you know, in, in many aspects, a pretty annoying team to watch and some of the antics and all those types of things, some of the stuff they say. I think Grant Williams was the last one talking about Draymond Green and being ejected. And it's just like, I, I don't know. They're just a difficult team to, to really get behind. Uh, but... For you, Camille, is there anything you're watching in this series? And I think, Justin, you're right. The fact that the Bucks went to seven games without Chris Middleton, maybe that's why I'm a little biased because I'm thinking, well, first of all, we understand how great Giannis is. But for the Bucks to even get to game seven, it's just hard. Heat series, too. The the fact that the Heat were as banged up as they were and took them to seven. It's just like the Warriors are terrible. (laughs) Yeah, and the Warriors I can buy as a championship team, Camille, but I, I just can't get myself to the point that saying this Boston team is a title winning team. No. Yeah. Um, my thoughts when we had the Milwaukee Boston series was that whoever won that series was going to go to the finals. Now I, I didn't think that necessarily like Boston would win in the finals if they got there. And when I saw how the Warriors were playing too, I was like, this should be a very uh, interesting matchup because I think one thing about golden state is that I feel like their defense is a little underrated at this point. Not that they have so many like plus defenders, but they just play so well together. Um, even seeing Steph Curry and the effort that he's been putting on the defensive end of the floor, um, I've just kind of been like, okay, like if they can keep the pressure up, at some point, Boston, I hate to say it like this, but they're probably going to, you know, give the ball over. Like they're going to make it difficult on themselves. And when they do that, Golden State's a team that will gladly take advantage of it, even with Klay Thompson being off when you have threats out there like Steph Curry. Uh, Jordan Poole got hot in game two. And they just get contributions just up and down the board on their team. So, like, it's a hard team to really make mistakes against because if you do, they're going to take advantage of it. And Boston is a team that tends to make a lot of mistakes, and I think in part because they don't have a real point guard point guard. No shade to uh, Mark is smart, but like they don't have someone to get them together offensively generally. So there's a lot of room for error. And when you're playing this team like the Warriors, like you don't really have that much room for error. And on top of that, too, that's probably the most high powered offense that the Celtics have seen this playoffs. Like it was funny in game one where I'm watching them go under with Steph Curry for like <laughs> the first two quarters. And I'm like, that's not like no shade, but that's not Drew Holiday. That's not Kyle Lowry. That is one of the greatest shooters to ever exist. Like, you need to come up. So 
I don't know. I personally had Golden State winning the series. I said probably go seven because Boston always seems to make things go seven at this point. Uh, but I could definitely see Golden State taking it in six. Yeah, I, it's weird because when I was talking on yesterday's podcast or a couple of days ago now, when I went solo, I said that the one thing that I was looking at this series and looking at Golden State, and I guess in my head, the reason why I think that they were going to win this series is because, and a lot of it's just memory of Clay Thompson, but I still believe at some point he's going to have a game. Uh, Jordan Poole, we saw, you know, he hit some shots. He hit a half-court shot. It was ridiculous. But then the more I thought about it, even after I finished podcasting, because I've said that watching these finals makes me think that the Bucks, when you just look at what they were trying to achieve offensively, with just no one that can do anything on the perimeter, really get their own shot, uh, dribble, you know, outside of Giannis. And, and Drew, again, it's not that he's awful, but he's not Steph Curry, as Camille pointed mm-hmm. to. So then I thought about it, and I thought, but maybe the Warriors actually don't have a lot of it either. And Steph Curry is just Steph Curry, so that just makes everything else look amazing when really it's just this one guy that is generational. I'm not sure. I mean, it's a chicken and egg theory too, where he is just so good and it's unlike anything that we've seen. And uh, when he plays like that too, like he did in game two, this, the team is just unbeatable. Like when does Steph have one of those big games and they lose? It was, it was really the thing we said about Giannis too, up until game six, when there was just literally no help next to him. But it, you know, it's interesting that I think we all have kind of the same takeaway here that if Chris Middleton was healthy I feel pretty good that the Bucs would have won that series. I mean, at the very least, even the games that they lost, they're much more competitive. So I saw some people point out, well, even if they get to the finals, I mean, look at the amount of threes they gave up to the Celtics. What do you think the Warriors would do? Which is partially true, but I know we've talked about before too. One, the Bucs and Giannis specifically have always just been a weird matchup for the Warriors. And, you know, for all the complaints that the the defensive system got, what we said from the start was this system is one that's predicated on if there are four shooters on the floor, it's going to be pretty good. If there's five, then, yeah, it's going to have its challenges. So the minutes that Draymond Green is on the floor, I know what he brings defensively, but that's the area where the defense can say, fine, we're letting Draymond Green shoot and we're going to play the way that we did a season ago. So I think it would have been Bucks and Warriors is – it would have been a really good finals. And that's also, yeah. you know, starting to become like the Super Bowl of of Brady and Rogers. Of uh, man, we still haven't gotten Giannis and Steph in the finals against each other. Giannis and Steph, Giannis and LeBron as well. There's a few, then you're obviously starting to run out of time with LeBron. Although, <laughs> as I mentioned yesterday, maybe you know, Bucks fans will have a, a slight little soft spot for the Lakers now. Obviously, you know, hopefully Darwin does well. I doubt I, it. I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I thought his introductory press conference was pretty damn good. Uh, speaking of Steph, though, he might be about to win his first finals MVP. And if you want to check out those odds, go to betonline.net. It's the number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. He's the clear favorite right now. And he would, ha- he would absolutely have to be because the Celtics have just been a, a little bit up and down to start the series. Obviously, Al Horford was good in game one. J- J- Jalen Brown was pretty good in game two. But Jason Tatum's been okay. Uh, but Steph is the favorite for NBA Finals MVP. But if you're interested in that, go to betonline.net. Uh, you can also check out NHL hockey playoffs, uh, baseball that's going on, uh, MMA, UFC, boxing, uh, everything 
in between uh, esports and uh, all sorts of stuff there as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Guys, we also have a listener survey, and uh, you know, you guys may have some feedback you want to give me uh, from the days that you're not on the podcast. And uh, if you do want to do so, uh, you can go to uh, what is the website here? Lockedonpodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long. And everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards to take our audience survey. Go to lockdownpodcast.com slash survey. And we would really appreciate that. But Camille, we haven't really caught up since the end of this season. Too much. So me and Justin have banged on back and forth about (laughs) our thoughts about the team, all sorts of different things. I've been on the Brook Lopez bandwagon nonstop uh, in terms of wanting him back. Uh, how do you feel about the team, about the, quite honestly, limited options they have in the offseason, about the draft, just the sort of a wide look at, at where you think this team is at and, and what oh, you man. would do? And, w- and would you do anything crazy? <laughs> where are you feeling crazy? Are you trying to trade one of the key players? Where are you at? See, the, the thing with the the whole going crazy thing, like – I saw some people who on Twitter were actually upset that Bud was not fired this year. And I'm just kind of <laughs> like, like how, how are we still at this point, given the fact that the Bucks went seven games with Boston without Chris Middleton, like it, it feels like next year is just going to be like a running back here as, as best as it can be just to see like, again, like, Hey, we're already kind of locked in with our top three guys here with Giannis, with Drew, with Chris, we're, we're just kind of locked into here. We got Brooks still, and in some strange way, maybe him having most of this season off, you know, is going to be good for him going forward because it's kind of like an abbreviated season for him. We didn't, he didn't have to put as much on his legs this year. Um, but I would I would honestly just try to run it back, try to re-sign Bobby, try to re-sign Pat. If we can get like another young center uh, on the free agent market who can kind of play behind Brooke, see if he's somebody who could, uh, you know, eventually take over for Brooke, I definitely would be uh, on board for that. Also would love to get just another bigger wing player. I think I mentioned this before, but outside of Chris Middleton, like the Bucks just, they don't really have any big wings. And that's just an area where I'm like, if we could fill that gap, whether it's in the draft with, you know, a young prospect, um, a vet, you know, a cheap vet, someone else who we can, we can throw out there. I would love to see that. Um, I do have some concerns with the, with the uh, guard rotation at this point, George Hill was not looking uh, the way I was hoping that he would down the stretch. And I know he was getting over injury. So on one hand, you might say, hey, well, let's just see how he is, you know, after an offseason where he's able to rest up, get better. Other hand, you might start to wonder, given his age, have we already seen the best that George Hill can offer? So I think if we can shore up in those places, and honestly, when it comes to the Bucks, year in and year out, internal improvement, uh, I know that sounds kind of cheap to say, but like it's something that's important. And every year we've seen Giannis add to his game. The Bucks are going to go as far as Giannis can lead him and as healthy as Chris and Drew can be around him because those three together, when they're playing together, they, I mean, they just work so well together. So I wouldn't do anything super drastic. I wouldn't try to blow it up. Just try to kind of reinforce the roster a little bit where they can. I'll tell you what they need, Justin. They need year three Jordan Wara to become a player because when you talk, talk about internal development, 
there just really isn't that many guys there that you're like, okay. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. Giannis gets better every year. Yeah, whatever. You, you get Chris back, all those, those kinds of things. But they're your top-end players. And in terms of deep in the rotation, there's not a lot of guys there. Like, Pat has consistently improved the last few years. That's been great. You know, so is Bobby Portis. You hope that both of those guys are back. But really, Jordan War is the only guy. And we don't even know if he's going to return. But I would imagine they would be able to keep him for relatively cheap. And, you know, if you get anything out of him in terms of being reliable on a defensive end, then he would probably play more. And then he's a guy that can score a little bit. And he is someone that can get his own uh, shot. But I agree with the guard rotation big time. And this is why the closer we get to the draft, and it might change again. I change my mind all the time. But I'm looking at if there's guards there. Just because I think that the draft, you can get veterans and you'll be able to get veteran role players. But in terms of someone that you think can impact the team right away, the draft, even though it's pick 24, it might be your best chance. And there's a number of names that are there. But I was talking to uh, some people about Jaden Hardy earlier uh, today, and he was the guy that played at the G League Ignite. At one point, they thought he was going to be a top five pick. He didn't have a great year with the G League Ignite, but he was playing G League. He was playing against men. There was a bunch of other uh, young, talented players on there that had the ball in their hands as well. But he's a guard, can, can really score. And maybe that's the guy that, someone like that, where they go, okay, this guy has really, really good pedigree. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe you strike lightning at pick 24 and you find yourself someone that can that can play and can can impact. And I it's it's not the it's not the best way to approach building a team justin pick 24 yeah. um but maybe right. they they gotta just nail this pick yeah i've kind of gone back and forth on it too like initially i was of the mindset of well, it feels like you kind of have to keep the pick and, and make a pick here with everything you just went through and the, jordan Wara is what you would cling to for young guys you could develop so it's a roster that's getting old and getting expensive so sooner or later you need cheaper younger talent but i mean also it's old and it's expensive for a reason that this is their title window and somebody picked 24th barring a really good player sliding down there like we've seen in the past with players right around that range like a desmond bain i think jumps out the most uh but you know it it just it's very rare that you get immediate contribution like that and that's really what they're looking for so I kind of lean towards, I think it's going to be part of a package for a smaller move that they make. Um, but regardless, you would like to see somebody start to develop now. And, you know, Bud, I don't think he gets a ton of credit for the way that some of their role players can develop. And I think the reason for it is because not all of them do. But, I mean, think about what Bobby Portis did. And, yes, that's on Bobby Portis and the work that he put in. But Bobby Portis, night and day, different player from when he arrived in Milwaukee to what he is now. He's more balanced. Pat Connaughton, you know, you can put him in the same sentence as Giannis, too. When we talk about Giannis and the work he would put in every year and getting better in, in every area and category, that's what Pat Connaughton did. When you think about what he arrived as, of basically just a role player that could shoot to the slasher, to the defender, to the guy that became a really good shooter, that he's a well-rounded player. So they've had the knack and ability to do that. And even George Hill becoming an almost 50% three-point shooter and everything fell into place that season. Um, So we've seen that growth. Maybe we were starting to see some of it last year from Javon Carter, and this was a system that was perfect for him. So I'm curious what his future holds with this team. But I mean, this is just kind of the cards that they're dealt that, yes, it would be nice to get some young talent, but 
you're playing for a championship. So uh, I think that's kind of the route we're going to see taken here in this offseason. Uh, you mentioned a big, a, a young, big Camille and someone that if you, and I've said this all the time and I've, I've kind of laughed about it a little bit, but there's always you know, every offseason with every fan base, there's like one player, whether it's <laughs> whether it's in the draft or it's like yeah, you know, veteran. So Mo Bumba's the guy, which I still find, you know, it's just funny to me. But uh, then the the guy in the draft, which I I just would steer clear of drafting a center, and yeah, you know, to me it's hey, yeah, I, I I just would not do that. But the guy that is generating a lot of buzz and he's going to be around that range and does have a really good skill set was dominant defensively in college uh was walker kessler and uh yeah i wouldn't get a big in the draft how do you feel about that camille <laughs> i would agree with that like i know like you meant mo bamba is the 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 name that bucks twitter has clung to yes and all i can really personally say about mo bamba is i love the song by Sheck west titled <laughs> mo bamba but that that's probably the end of my love for Mo Bamba, like if I could get a free agent center off the market, I would personally like to try to get Isaiah Hartenstein, like to see if we can get a center mm-hmm. like that. That's a um, good name. And it's not a flashy name. It's not, you know, super athletic, but like he plays defense. He shoot, like he, he does his job. And one thing that I always hear like uh Bucks players say is like, be a star in your role. And he is somebody who I think could be a star in his role, especially if he gets a year under Brooke, where we can kind of see, like I was mentioning earlier, see if he could, you know, possibly be the the center that, you know, takes the, the baton from Brooke once he does have to move on. But uh, I would not look to draft a center. I would prefer we draft a wing or a guard if we keep that pick at 24. Hartenstein, Justin. First of all, Kevin Harlan would be pumped every time he comes back to Milwaukee. But <laughs> I had his name jotted down as well. He's under the yeah. radar and probably not someone that, yeah, a lot of people will initially be excited about. But yeah, if I was getting a big and historically, well, the last couple of years anyway, after Robin Lopez essentially, and then the year before they had a million centers with Thon and John Henson and all those guys. But uh, the last couple of years anyway, they've kind of steer clear of having a, a you know, traditional you know, backup big or a backup five. So yeah, it would be interesting whether someone like Hartenstein would, would get better opportunities elsewhere or what they would even have to do to bring him there but i think the one thing that we learned this year is it would be nice to at least have someone in case of emergency at that position uh yeah and hartenstein is somebody that i you know you saw the free agents and thought man he would look nice too i just don't see why the clippers yeah um yeah <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't match i mean especially with their situation and and their, their cap situation, especially with the tax that they're in for all right now. So I would assume that they want him around long-term and it's Zubats that they're willing to move on from. Zubats. And I think a year that he's up. So uh, yeah, that'd be great. I just, uh, I don't see it happening. And when you look at the, the rest of the list, it's not a very flattering list <laughs> of free agents for big. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is that, Somewhere around February, when you got to the trade deadline, that Mo Bamba just started to become the guy, especially with Bucks Twitter. But it's not going away anytime soon. And uh, everybody pointed out, well, do you think they could do this or how do they do this? They're not getting Mo Bamba for the taxpayer mid-level exception. Somebody is going to pay him more than that. And I, you know, we've talked about this before too. I don't think you can assume they're going to use the taxpayer mid-level. That maybe it's a part of keeping Bobby 
or keeping Pat or you use part of it. And this isn't me advocating for not spending the money, but we had the same conversation last year. And what you need to understand is that what six point something million dollar exception that they would have for the tax pyramid level. That's thirty three million dollars in tax money that they're going to end up paying. So there's a lot of reasons for the ownership group to say, well, is this guy really worth it? So I think you need to level set the expectations on. Yes, it'd be great to retain Bobby and uh, Pat Connaughton and use that. But I think there's a decent chance that does not happen. Speaking of money, I did a crossover podcast with our friend Matt George from Locked On Kings this morning, a few hours ago. And we were talking about Dante DiVincenzo. And I asked about you know, what his expectation is for uh, you know, what his contract is going to be. And you should go and listen to that podcast if you haven't already. It was interesting to hear the Sacramento perspective of what Dante brought. Uh, they assume that he's coming back. Uh, I thought, you know, I wasn't sure what damage, you know, the contracts, you know, with the injuries and let's say inconsistent play, uh, if we're being kind. Uh, but he still sort of believed that he's still going to get sort of 10 plus million per year, which does make sense. And part of that might be just the free agent market. Uh, and the Kings, really, they traded for the guy. They clearly wanted him for a couple of years. They'll probably keep him. But that was an interesting podcast. Uh, Dante, obviously an old friend. I just wonder, I mean, it'd be great here. And it would have been great to have Dante during the Celtics series, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder, I mean, we saw this stuff come out towards the end of the year that made it seem like Dante wasn't too happy being in Sacramento, but it it seems like there would be a team that maybe not necessarily a title contender because there's not a whole lot of those with money, but there would be a team that's at least a playoff contending team that would look at Dante's skill set and say, well, he could be our second guard off the bench and this is perfect for what we're looking for. So I would assume he would be on more of a winning team through free agency than staying in Sacramento. And that'd be interesting. Uh, One other one I've got for you, Camille. I mentioned this yesterday, and it's not a huge surprise, uh, but Quinn Snyder's out in Utah. And then, of course, we see today, as probably predicted, Charles Lee is going to be one of a cast of many that's going to get an interview. And it looks like they're going to be interviewing sort of 10 guys or something like that. So it's going to be... A wide net they're throwing out there. It'll be interesting to see whether Charles Lee gets the job. I think we would all love him to. Uh, But let's just say that Charles Lee gets this job, uh, which firstly would be great for him. Secondly, it would be really, really interesting this offseason with two faces that have been there forever Mm -hmm. with Bud, basically. They've been with him for a long, long time. And the two lead voices, really, on the bench. Uh, So the Bucs are going to have some faces change on the bench and you know i don't necessarily think that's going to be a bad thing i'm kind of excited to see who they bring in and i mentioned yesterday i don't know whether quinn wants to jump straight back on the bench but if he wants to go and uh, coach alongside but again that i would also be excited <laughs> about that yeah i mean that's a dream scenario i would think to have a voice like that on the bench as an assistant for bud um and even i mean thinking about darvin ham and, and charles lee like the relationship as you mentioned that bud has with both of them is it's real. It's deep. Um, even during Darvin Ham's press conference, when he mentioned Bud, he kind of got a little bit emotional thinking about like the years they spent together and all he's been able to learn. And Bud's starting to make his own little coaching tree, which is is kind of cool to see. Um, 
but I agree with you on the the new voices on the bench being a good thing. I listen to uh, the Dunker Spot podcast a lot, and one thing they mention often about the Bucks' offense is that it needs a little bit more seasoning on it. Like we just need to to do a little bit different than what we have been doing. So maybe getting some new voices on the bench can help freshen up the offense a little bit, um, throw in some new some new plays that they can run, some new actions, and open things up in a different way than they haven't before. So. I don't think necessarily like it's going to be a bad thing to have new voices. Of course, you, you're going to miss what Charles brought if he does get the Utah job. We're going to, of course, miss what Darvin Ham brought. Um, but change isn't always a bad thing. So I would, I'm going to look optimistically about uh, what the coaching situation can look like for the Bucks. I think there's two reasons, Justin, why the Bucks as a you know, assistant coach destination would be very attractive. Uh, the first is, is Bud. Because, you know, if you look at Darvin Ham and Taylor Jenkins and then, you know, historically, uh, you know, Charles Lee always been in the mix here. Historically, you know, Bud has been able to have guys on his staff that have gone on to get jobs. And I know Bud is someone that's controversial with Bucks fans and Bucks Twitter for whatever reason. But NBA fans too. <laughs> yeah, the, the history is there. I mean, it's it's not made up. It's It's what we've seen. So I think that would be attractive. Then obviously... I would imagine that there is a lot of coaches out there that have some ideas of some stuff that they could do with Giannis, and that 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 has to be, uh, you know, make it one of the prime jobs that are going to be out there. Well, I think we all agree Charles Lee is in that spot that Darwin was in the last couple of years. Where I don't think he's going to get the job in Utah. It seems like they already have a pretty good idea of who they want. But it was the same thing with Darwin, where it's just every year it's one of these years he's leaving for a head coaching job. And I think that's where Charles Lee is at that if it's not this off season, it's going to be next year, but Darvin got a job this year. Taylor Jenkins, of course, what we've seen him do with Memphis, we mentioned James Boriego and we've heard Bud speak extremely highly of James Boriego, their time together in San Antonio um, starting as soon as JB got to Charlotte with the Hornets. So there's a relationship there Kenny Atkinson, another guy that was on his staff. Um, and, of course, the big one that everybody wants is Quinn Snyder. Now, where it would make sense for me, for Quinn Snyder, is you already pointed to the offense. Perfect. That's what this team needs. And the other part is, if you're Quinn Snyder, I'm sure he wants to get back in the head coaching ranks as quickly oh, as possible. Darn, you did. Well, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. The best way to do that <laughs> is if you're the lead assistant with the Bucks and they win another championship, you are gone. Yeah. You can yeah. find your own spot the next year. So it's a it's a it's gonna be one of the, the better openings out there, non-head coach openings for somebody to really say, if I'm on the staff, if I'm one of the lead assistants and you know, we have Giannis, so we have a chance to win the title, that means I'm gonna have a good chance to get a job the following offseason. Yeah, the talk, I guess, is is San Antonio and mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, I I I don't know. I don't know. Is it actually confirmed that that Pop is doesn't want to go for another decade? I, I felt like a couple of years. <laughs> it felt like a couple of years ago that maybe he was running out of steam, but he seems like he's back having a good time. I'm not sure. I, I don't know about having a good time. I don't know if he's ever watched <laughs> oh, Pop and said that guy seems like he's having a good time. Well, I have a good time watching Pop. I mean, we all do. That's that's part of uh, what makes Pop legendary. Like he's one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen, and. I felt the same way where I thought we were coming close to the end of Pop's time in San Antonio, but 
he seems to have been like reinvigorated with like this younger team that he has now at this point and what he's been able to do with like DeJounte Murray and some of the guys they have over there. So who knows at this point how long Pop plans to coach. And now that you have this idea in my head about Quinn Snyder becoming a lead assistant for the Bucks, I need that to happen. So, you know, might as well just, hey, if Quinn, if you're listening to this, just come wait your time out here, wait Bud out or wait Pop out here in Milwaukee with Bud. And, you know, when that opens up, you make your move, you know. You know, the other one too is, uh, I know there's no connections to Bud, but we're talking about offense and he's been up for head coaching jobs. I mean, don't you put the hard sell on and say, look, the Pringle man. Uh, you're getting close to retirement. Mike D'Antoni, why don't you just come here and run the offense and be one of my lead assistants? Uh, he was in Brooklyn last year, correct? Mm-hmm. But yeah. we've yes. seen him uh, Charlotte. He is uh, He's in the running, in strong chance. One of the, the last two. Charlotte, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 been around, no doubt. Yeah, it would be interesting. I'm sure the general... NBA landscape would be buzzing if the Bucks had D'Antoni there and so everyone having their ideas of what he could potentially do with Giannis in this offense. It's going to be interesting. One last quick one. I just saw a tweet uh, just before we started recording here. Uh, old friend DJ Wilson with a workout with the Lakers. <laughs> now, uh, we've mentioned DJ as as you know one of the draft picks that potentially didn't get to where the Bucks wanted him to go to. I don't think that's been too harsh, but he's floated around a little bit, had some big games. With the Oklahoma City G League team, I believe the Oklahoma Blue, I think they're called. Uh, but he actually always did have a good relationship with Darwin. I think everyone had a good relationship with Darwin, but uh, not a huge surprise to see uh, DJ Wilson there getting the workout with the Lakers. I'd be happy to see him out there, Camille. Get DJ back in the NBA. Honestly, I'm, I have a soft spot for like most uh, <laughs> old Bucks guys, even if they didn't work out, just from from watching them here during their time and DJ given the Lakers cap situation and what they have going on with their roster, um, <laughs> they might need DJ Wilson to, to eat up some of those minutes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was going to say Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, Kent Bazemore, <laughs> Carmelo, Malik Monk, Avery Bradley. These are all guys on one year minimum deals. So uh, it's, it's going to be how they're rounding out the roster. That's, we laugh, but the Bucks are in a pretty close spot to yep. that too, where you hope guys like Wes Matthews will take the veterans minimum and maybe you can get a few other ones there to uh, to do the same. But that's, you know, we lived through this two years ago when you had second round picks that were on the, the roster just for cap purposes that it, it's not quite reached that level, but it's also not to the level of the Lakers, but the Bucks aren't too far off from that with how top heavy their cap is. Yeah, the Bucks tried it. To- pick 31 last year which is you know i mean it's as good as they get in the second round but it's uh you know not the worst draft pick of all time to uh draft mamu and uh yogo so yeah that's the situation they were in we'll see what they do this year in the draft but uh yeah mamu who knows he might come back we'll see how it stuns me still to this day when i look over things and see mamu's listed as 611 because you would swear when you watch him play he's like 68 or 69 <laughs> he's an interesting player I like him, but you know, I don't know. I don't know what his prospects are going to be uh, next year. All right, let's wrap this up. This was good. Time flies when you got three people on the podcast. We'll have to do this again. (laughs) But I just can't. I can't be out here doing forty-minute podcasts in the off-season and then the next day scratching for what I'm going to talk about. So I got to wrap this up. Uh, Make sure you check out the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. They're going through all the draft stuff. So I know we mentioned a couple names here. Uh, on this pub we'll continue to do it at some point i'm going to have someone who uh, has a little more expertise 
in the draft than me on the podcast, and we'll be able to ask all the questions uh, we want to with the Bucks uh, leading up. But Camille, I'm glad you're feeling well, Justin. Oh, I'm also glad. I'm also glad you're feeling well, Justin. To be, to yeah, be thank you. Uh, all right, we'll leave it there. Uh, I, I think I mentioned this, Frank. I'm recording with Frank tomorrow. I'm also recording with Melanie Ricks, who anyone that's ever been to a Bucks game before knows Mel, and she started doing some sideline stuff. So another couple pods coming up tomorrow but for now we'll leave it there speak to you guys tomorrow